Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Oh, boy. We can be loud. This is our loud episode. We're recording this one while uh, Henry is at daycare. And so get ready for just a lot of loud, just language, adult themes. Sound effects. Sound effects. Oh, no. A big bazooka. Quack, 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 quack. Sorry, do that one again? How'd a duck get in here? Did you hear that? How'd a duck get in here? And why's it got 10 guns? <laughs> Somebody stop this duck. Um, This is wonderful. It's a podcast where we talk about all the good things that are going on for us and for you. And um, it feels weird that actually we this isn't our Halloween episode because Halloween's tomorrow when we're recording this. But whatever. Let's just roll with it. I got all the spooks and scares out of my system. And now I'm feeling... If I see something spooky now, I'll be upset. I'll be pissed off about it. I'll be legitimately PO'd. Because it's November now. It's November now, technically. Spooky is over. Spooky's over. Wholesome is in. Also, we've got some a candle and tea going in here. There's a whole aromatic sort of element to this recording. I'm very excited about it. And I think it's my turn to start, isn't it? I think so. Ah, oh, boy. We need like a, a chore wheel in here we just do. for this. Um, I will start, though, because okay. my first thing is... The video game series Animal Crossing. What's up? You oh knew it was coming. Gosh. You knew it was coming. You knew it was going to be here eventually. And I decided that this is the episode for it. Animal Crossing is probably one of my favorite video game series of all time. Uh, I've spent a disgusting amount of time playing it, as Rachel can attest. She has witnessed me at least go into one of these sort of binge cycles. When the new game came out, I literally asked Griffin how long I could expect him to be an escape into this world yeah and i didn't i was sort of evasive if you'll recall giving an answer because it's not a good one um so animal crossing if you've never played it or if you've never heard of it is a community sim game where you are a human being living in a town populated by anthropomorphic animals it's a game by um nintendo the original game actually came out for the nintendo 64 in japan uh, but it, it only came to other regions, including America, the following year on GameCube, where it was sort of fixed up and made to look a little bit prettier. Um, and it's kind of similar to if you've played like The Sims or any of the Harvest Moon series, it's kind of in a similar vein where you uh, there's like a day cycle. Uh, the game moves in real time. And, and every time you turn it on, there's sort of new things going on. But sort of unlike The Sims specifically, there's a, a much less of a focus on like objectives. It's not like you have to go and make your Animal Crossing character go use the bathroom. The fact that I just said that out loud, I envisioned it and it's profane. Oh, I have an idea. Go. How about I talk about what I know of the game, <laughs> and then you kind of elaborate based on that. I know there's the noise you hate very much, because you think it's the cat every time. Yes. Uh, so this is a game where you are a little creature, and you have a, a human bunch being, of... Just a human being. You have a bunch of friends to interact with in this town, uh, and you can customize your little house Loving and your it. clothes, yep. and you can go fishing. Yep. And planting things. Gardening. Sometimes they call it gardening. Gardening. Uh, there's little shops you can go in and out of. Yes. Um, you have little convos with the townsfolk. Yeah, and like help them out with their stuff. Uh, Griffin, last time this game came out and he was playing it incessantly, I got legitimately jealous of an alligator who seemed to be flirting with him in the game. <laughs> Every time I looked over, there was this female alligator that would seem to be real thirsty for Griffin, and I yeah. just 
he'd been playing it so long that I used her as a symbol of all that was upsetting to me. <laughs> right. And this was a long time ago. And I should stress that sort of my priorities are different these days. But yeah, I mean, you know, she needed an apple. And so I'd help give her an apple. And maybe the relationship turned into something else, something more <laughs> meaningful after that. But um, that's basically the whole game, right? Like, yeah, I just the, summarized the, game the whole game is uh, essentially you helping out your neighbors and growing closer to them. Uh, there are these like sort of progression customization hooks. Like you mentioned, there's uh, a bunch of different clothes and accessories you can buy for your character. Didn't you make a whole like Mario themed room or something uh yeah so that because it's a nintendo game like a, a big element of the game is is designing your house it's like yeah. an interior decoration sim uh so much so that they actually made a spin-off game called happy home designer that is just the interior decoration part where you go into somebody's house and they're like i want a house with like a cool goth vibe and then it's up to you to like sort of put that together which was fun but not the core sort of experience that i like so much um, and so, yeah, a big part of the game is exp uh, paying to expand your house, paying off your house loan to this uh, raccoon named Tom Nook, um, <laughs> and expanding your house and decorating it. And then you receive sort of a score based on how well you've decorated it. There are, uh, there was, I don't know if this was in all the games, but in, in Animal Crossing, there was a, a an emphasis on uh, uh, feng shui. If you are following those principles, then then there are like certain rewards that you can gain. Um, and uh, yeah, you catch fish and you catch bugs. There's a museum that you can donate stuff to. So there's sort of a completionist element to it where you're can trying I to fill out the museum. Question? Please do. That's why we do this. Um, I've seen you put a lot of time into this like personalization and home design aspect of a variety of games. Right. Um. I don't actually see you doing that much in your real life. And I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious why yeah. that appeals to you in the game. But when it comes to, let's say, making a space or yourself look a certain way, mm. that's it's less easier. interesting. It's easier in the game. It's easier. I don't know why personally, like, I don't give as much of a shit about, I mean, I like to look nice. I like nice clothes. I know, I'm not and saying I like, that. I'm, like, just, I'm saying that part of a, like... A big appeal to you in a video game is if you can customize a character or a space. Sure. But, um, that's just like, that's just, and that, this is like the conversation about Animal Crossing or any type of game like this. I played uh, a lot of Stardew Valley, which is a, a, a pretty recent, uh, game that came out, I believe, last year. It just came out on Switch again this year. And so I started playing it again. Um, but it is sort of a, a farming game in the style of Harvest Moon, but with an emphasis on you can decorate your house and, uh, customize this big farm that you've got. I think that, um, I think Animal Crossing is sort of divisive as a, as a game, because if you want to boil it down the way that Rachel just explained it, like it just does sound like a bunch of chores and sometimes you'll <laughs> buy new pants. Um, <laughs> but if you start thinking about the game that way, then you, and you should apply that same sort of, um, metric when talking about any video game. And when you do that, it all sort of starts to seem pretty meaningless, right? Like all, all video games, whether you're like shooting Nazis or uh, buying furniture for your house is all about putting your real ass time and then performing in-game things to achieve virtual goals that have no yeah. Well, literal... but that's the thing is the the goals, the achievements, right? So, and I think your brother Justin has talked about this a little bit about kind of the value of a game that gives you some wins, right? You know, some very clear, um objectives as you said and so since these games don't have a like do these five things and then you win well that's just it though like that's that's specifically what i'm talking about is if you if you look at video games from a um 
like if there's if there's no explicit objective that you're accomplishing whether that objective is like a literal objective a waypoint on the map that you have to go do a thing or whether it's a story being told to you if a game doesn't have that then it it kind of feels like a, a bit of a waste of time my argument is that like regardless of what you're doing if you are playing an object if you're playing a video game you are creating objectives that you alone fulfill whether that and and so while there isn't like a oh i have to um you know go use the bathroom before my bladder meter explodes <laughs> there is like i want my you know kitchen to look a little bit nicer or i want to complete this one furniture set or um i want to work on my relationship with this just beautiful alligator um <laughs> I, I that that is the way that I treat games and that that specific objective of um personal ownership and customization of certain things is my favorite objective in video wow, games. That's so interesting. I wonder now has that always been the case or is that more recent? I think it's always been the case. I've it, and it's especially true in games where uh multiplayer is a facet where you can sort of show off your work to other people. Yeah. Um th- this first sort of clicked with me when uh me and my brothers and all of our friends were playing EverQuest which was this like old school MMORPG, like one of the first online RPGs. And I just loved the idea of just, I had this character who could get stronger and then, and, and have better stuff and become like wealthier and just, just have this better status that I could go then and, and show off to my friends. And, and I, I kind of like, or at the very least, not status, but like, uh, customization. This, this one's mine because of the things that I yeah. did. Let me show you what I've done with my thing. And, and that is like, uh, Animal Crossing to a T. Like, that's all it is. Come to my town. Let me no. show you my house because I've done some really, really cool so design stuff with it. It's so interesting to me that you'll kind of, you'll peacock to use an expression. There are peacocks, literal peacocks I learned, in the game. <laughs> I learned in Parks and Rec. You know, you'll, you'll do the kind of flashy pop of color in the virtual space. Sure. But I never see you go to a party and say, I'm going to wear this really fancy, nice jacket. And everyone's going to say, hey, look at that jacket. He must have picked a lot of apples. But I would I would do that <laughs> if I knew where the, the, the right apples were. Um, I, I know it's sort of a contradiction, but it's like, you, you know this to be true. Like, you have seen how much time I spend in, like, character customization. Yeah, menus. it's just interesting to me. I just like the idea of I am on this personal journey that is mine and mine alone. And it's going to be different from everybody else's because of the decisions that I make. But I do want to see what they did. And I want them to see what I did to make it my own. Um, And that's like, I think Animal Crossing does that really well in this very zen-like package. Because again, there is no, you don't lose Animal Crossing. There's there's not a like failure state in the game at all. Um, And because it sort of rotates on a day-to-day schedule and there are like weekly events or holidays, like, hey, it's Christmas, go in and there's like special Christmas stuff going on. I just love that idea of a game that you can pick up for a few minutes and see how your thing's doing. And the whole time you are sort of crafting this very individual, lightweight narrative around yourself that is different from everybody else's. Um, so that's Animal Crossing. New Leaf is my favorite game in the series. It's the one we talked about most. It's the, uh, out on 3DS. If you haven't played it and you have a 3DS, it's like my, one of my top three favorite games of all time. Uh, and there's a new one, the one that you referenced earlier that's on mobile, uh, called Pocket Camp that's coming out in November. That is, it's pretty good. Oh, so, so that one's not out yet. It's not out yet. I got a sneaky, Ooh. sneaky version of it. It's not like the full Animal Crossing experience. This kind of reminds me of that Nico Atsume game that you got into where you collect the cats and they just, <sighs> Kind to of be sit fair, there. I was never really super into that. You, I, play, you I, said I, that to me? You played that game a fucking lot. For like a month. 
Yeah, but it was a very intense <laughs> cat-sitting month. I wanted the cat that had the little hat and the feather, and he'd climb to the top of your tower. And you got him, and you said, I beat the game. Yeah. That was your personal objective, and you accomplished it. <laughs> See, Nico Atsume is like a great example of this. Is that There's no winning Nico Atsume. It's and just like what you I want. I don't stick with it. See, I do. I, I, I stick with it. <laughs> but if I was playing Nico Atsume, and we could show each other each other's cats, I bet you would have stuck with it a lot more. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, that's Animal Crossing. It's very good and very cute. What's your first thing, babe? Ooh, oh my God. Yeah. So since Rachel's got a laptop. Since we are recording on a different schedule, I am using my laptop. So it's, her, it's her Monday laptop. I um, didn't print this week. Okay. Uh, so this actually came We have from, a printer. You could have printed if you wanted. I should have. Yeah. Now I have to hold. Luckily, this is a very light it's like computer. It's like half a pound. Uh, so this actually came, usually I, I call my, my topics from childhood experiences, but these are actually things we've talked about recently. Oh, good. That inspired me, uh, to bring them to the show. The first is journaling. Hey, okay. Griffin and I were talking about this last week and I mentioned to him, which at the time didn't seem very significant to me, but thinking back now, um, I started journaling in middle school. And more or less did it all the way through college, um, some in graduate school and then some just this past year. Yeah. Uh, and it is tremendous for me. Uh, and it's not something I've ever really talked about before. Uh, and so I did a little research on kind of the, um, the power, let's say, of journaling. Uh, and found out there's a, there's a guy here in town who's a professor of psychology at the, uh, UT Austin campus who wrote a book called Opening Up by Writing It Down, How Expressive Writing Improves Health and Eases Emotional Pain. Uh, this can help people sleep better, feel and think better, have richer social lives, all of which can build immune function and improve health. Uh, so there's all these different studies showing the, the impact of it. Um, there was a study in 2014 involving women in residential treatment programs uh, that found that those who engaged in four 20-minute writing sessions... 420. <laughs> you have your journal while you're just blazed up and out of your just gore, dude? Probably. If you look at my college <laughs> ones. <laughs> Hi, Linda. Uh, <laughs> uh, four- that was a joke. It was a parody. <laughs> Four 20-minute writing sessions on consecutive days, uh, they had greater reductions in their post-traumatic symptoms, depression, and anxiety after two weeks than participants who wrote about neutral topics. There's other other studies that show that um, it helps people distance themselves from distressing life experiences, which in turn makes them less emotionally reactive to it. Uh, so there's all these different studies showing kind of the, the power of, of writing through kind of your emotions. And, and I just wanted to bring that up. Um, the most recent time I did it, um, this past year and a half or so before Henry was born, we were having a lot of trouble conceiving and I was having a lot of trouble kind of processing all the highs and lows of that. So I started journaling and put together this like, 20 page word document just of all my feelings that um, were difficult to talk about with people that weren't living that experience. Sure. Uh, and weren't feelings I had that I necessarily wanted to share publicly. Uh, and it was, it was really 
helpful for me to go through that. Yeah, I, I th- why we were talking about this is because I just started seeing a therapist for the first time in my life uh, ever in the, in the past couple of weeks. Um, and he recommended doing some, some journaling, uh, as sort of a therapeutic measure, which I had literally, and this is just because I'm dumb, like I had never considered journaling as a, a therapeutic activity. I'd literally only thought about it as a chronicle of one's own personal life and, and yeah. history. Um, and not a way to, I, I, the, the reason that he wanted me to do it is because he asked, like, how often do you sort of introspectively think about your life and how you're feeling on any given day? I was like, oh, never. <laughs> um, and so his recommendation is that journaling could be a way for me to, like, categorize and understand the shape of my own thoughts. Which is like, yeah, sure, like absolutely, it makes sense. That's that's the way that I categorize and make sense of anything is yeah. by writing it down and typically in you know a, a Google Doc spreadsheet or something like that. Obviously, this is sort of a different format, uh, but I'd never really considered the benefits of just like uh, being deliberate and writing down just how I'm how I am feeling. And then at the end of that, like it's not it's not just that you have like a record of what you did today; it's a record of how you feel right now. Um, which I've only done it, I've only been doing it for like a few days, but it's like, oh, okay, I get yeah. it. Yeah, so Dr. James Pennebaker from UT suggests, and and there's something on the website, unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't write it down, but um, that you do it for just 20 minute sessions, I think four times a week is what he recommends, uh, to just kind of examine what you're experiencing. And I will say, as someone who has done this for a very long time, it's made me much better at articulating how I feel about something and, and figure out kind of all the different pieces behind it. Uh, and so I, I find that when I have conversations with people, it's easier for me to really pinpoint what it is, you know, that's going on with me, uh, which is really valuable. Yeah, for you know, sure. I think it, it makes, it's interesting because it's, it's a very independent, potentially lonely exercise that ends up paying off for you in your interactions with other people. Yeah. I think, um, and I think that's, I think that's why I never really did it until now is because it was, I think it has to do with sort of the performative nature of everything that I do, that the idea of doing something that only I will see through the rest of time feels weird. It it feels unnatural, but not only that, it is actually hard to break myself out of. We we talked about this, like some of my anxiety before I started journaling, of my past attempts, like in college, when I was just like super sad all the time, um, ended up being these like really floral, yeah. um, kind of like just shitty pieces of prose that weren't necessarily reflective of how I felt. It was just I would start going, and I'd be like, "What do journals sound? What yeah. do what do good j- sad journals sound like?" And I would write it and get to the end of it and be like, "Wow, this is fucking schlock, and this is not actually <laughs> how I feel." It's just like I wanted to write something romanticized and. And and it's a really really tough instinct for me to fight back against, but I I think it is worth doing because it's it's one of those things where, um, I don't I don't take that much time to think about my own brain because I am, uh, chronically hyper busy, and doing this thing is a way of dealing with that, but it also is something that is like you have to really force yourself to do when you are super busy. But I I, I cannot stress like. Um, even the, the few times I've done it, it's been very, uh, it's been, it's been revealing of some stuff that's like, oh, so that's how I feel about X, Y, or Z. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, it's something I've always kind of done. Uh, and I didn't really think about kind of the benefits that I was gaining from it until recently. Uh, and, and I would really recommend it. Um, you know what I would recommend though? Mm, what? Something that's always very therapeutic for me. Mm. <laughs> Get that money. I should really start You're looking about around these. the office as if like it's going to be like <laughs> lamp, 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 monitor, monitor, guitar candle, uh, hot tea. That's it. That's it. Done. Done. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia (laughs) Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Do you want to tell me about the Jumbotron that we have right now? Also, Jumbotrons are available today. This might have gone up after that happens, but it's 11 a.m. Pacific time today, Wednesday, November 1st. If you want to get a message on the uh, first half of 2018 for this show, go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. This message is for Chloe. It is from Xander. What up, baby? Oh, boy. We're probably married as hell now, and I'm so, so excited to continue our life adventure together. I'm the luckiest boy in the world to get to spend my life with you. And thanks for, quote, stealing me away three years ago. Also... Congratulations from us, Rachel and Griffin McElroy. You're a funny lady. Thanks for existing. 
And I love you too. Congratulations. You don't have to make us say it. We'll just, we will, I promise you, we would have just said it. You didn't have to, you didn't have to ventriloquist <laughs> Rachel over there. Well, what if I had said congratulations from us oh, and not Rachel and Griffin McElroy? very specific. I mm-hmm. always talk about myself in the third person. You do. It's really annoying. People really don't like it when I do that. Griffin wants some Cheez-Its. Hand those Cheez-Its <laughs> over. Griffin's hungry for cheese. Do you want to read the next one? I do. This next message is for Tim Sutton, and it's from Julia Brown, who says, Happy birthday, goon. I'm so sorry, Tim. I would never say the G word about you like that. That is <laughs> so rough. Uh, this message is probably going to be pretty late. That's my bad. You can let us have that one. It's probably also late because of us. Uh, so I hope that you had the best day. I don't think I'll ever be able to fully express how much I love you. Never forget that you are loved and appreciated by everyone in your life. We're all so lucky to have you, hun. Thank you for everything. Love, Julia. I am just a puddle right now. I'm a puddle. Just a puddle of love and a puddle of mud. You remember that band? (sighs) Only the name of it. Yeah, me too. I don't have any puddle of mud references (laughs) or know anything that I can pull here. So maybe let's just stop. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm Danielle Radford. I am Michael Eagle. And we are the hosts of Tights and Fights, Maximum Fun's newest podcast dedicated to all things wrestling. We'll be talking about Sasha Banks, the women's revolution, Sasha Banks, the brand split, and Sasha Banks' wigs. And we'll also be talking about wrestler fashion. Some wrestlers wear too many clothes. Some wrestlers don't wear enough clothes at all. And I'll be doing impressions of all your favorite wrestlers. New episodes Thursdays on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah, dig it. Tides and Fights Podcast. Tides and Fights. Do you want to hear my second thing? Yes. My second thing is live looping music. Ooh, yeah, dude. I'm very, choice. very excited to talk about live looping music. Uh, put simply, it is a method of sort of live composition or performance uh, where you play this uh, a section of a song and then you loop it and uh, usually using some piece of hardware like a foot pedal if you're just solo playing uh, so that it plays again and then you play on top of it and add another layer on and so on and so forth, uh, adding harmony or melody as you go. Where you start from nothing, but then after a few cycles, have this full song that typically only one person created. Um, and it's accomplished with any number of devices uh, on the more electronic end. Things like synthesizers and sequencers uh, allow you to do, to do this on the more lo-fi end, like tape decks. Uh, but there's there's lots of ways to sort of accomplish this uh, effect. One of the more popular modern uses is just a, a delay pedal. Um so looping, like not live looping, but the act of like looping themes and motifs has a history throughout like time spanning like multiple uh, genres. But live looping is actually a fairly modern concept because it didn't really become possible until after uh, multi-track recording became possible in like the 50s. Um, in 1963, there was a musician named Terry Riley who uh, made a demo called The Gift, which was a, a tape loop piece. Wait, what year? 1963. Wow. Uh, and it featured Chet Baker playing trumpet uh, on it. Uh, and it was the first piece ever based on a tape delay feedback system. Uh, Terry used these two uh, Revox tape recorders 
uh, to, to create this effect. And uh, he called this system the time lag accumulator. Mm-hmm. Yo, Doc Brown, your shit rules. <laughs> That's fucking great. The Wikipedia article says, unsurprisingly, the name did not catch on amongst other performing musicians. Hey, Wikipedia, whoever wrote that, fuck off. Time lag <laughs> accumulator is That's the wonderful. dopest shit ever. Yeah. It's the best thing I've ever heard. I wish I could just like revise this and just be like, my f- favorite thing this week is that this dude who did the first like live looping <laughs> recording uh, named his thing the time lag accumulator. Um, and and so there's, uh, it's obviously developed in there have been some manufacturers who specialized and made hardware that is like specifically designed for this thing. Uh, and then in the nineties, like synth software started to develop like ways of, of dealing with it now. And now it's like a pretty common practice. Um, so again, kind of, it breaks down into the more software side of things. Uh, there are bands that use, uh, music environments like Ableton and, you know, a, a launch pad, which I actually have and don't know how to use to to live create music uh on the go uh there's a band called battles that i really like that does this really well um but what i want to mostly focus on is like more electro acoustic stuff um be just watching a musician stand on stage with an instrument and a pedal starting with nothing and then putting an entire song together so i have a couple things that i wanted to talk about the first is something i showed you like the other night Uh which was this band called the academic who did this really ingenious way of looping uh, for a music video for their song Bear Claws. And the way that they did it is they stood up on a stage and they had a projector unit behind them. And the projector unit was showing a Facebook stream of the live stream that they were doing. But because of the nature of live streaming and lag... Um, that feed was always 30 seconds behind. And they used that 30-second loop to to live loop a performance. So they would stand on stage, play a drum fill for 30 seconds, and then they would quickly clear the stage and run on and start laying down like the, the main, uh, you know, a melody of the song on two guitars. Meanwhile, the projector behind them was showing the drum fill that they had just played on the 30 second loop. And then they would clear the stage again after 30 seconds. Now behind them, they had the drum fill and the guitars and they brought keys on for stuff. And then they would do another, it was like, such a mind fuck. Yeah, I felt like the people must have felt like when they first walked into a movie theater of just like, wait, if I'm here and they're on the screen <laughs> and what? But wait, am I? It just I, I couldn't even. Yes. I couldn't even keep up with it. So go watch that video. It was very, very cool. Um, I've been listening to this song lately. We saw this uh, performer named Moses Sumney open up for Sufjan Stevens on the uh, uh, Carrie and Carrie and Lowell was the name of that album. I can't believe I forgot the name of that album. I adore that album. But he is uh, also a solo performer who does a lot of live loops. Uh, and I wanted to play just a little bit of a song. This is a not live. Obviously, this is not a live performance. This is the studio uh, track. But it's you, you can hear some of like how he builds this song. It's called Everlasting Sigh. Uh, and just the way that he, he does a lot of just sort of like vocal harmonies with himself. Uh, and this is a, a section from that song, Moses Sumney's Everlasting Sigh. So the 
the person I really want to talk about, who is in my mind, like sort of the modern master of this is Andrew Bird, who is one of my favorite musicians of all time. Um, I had actually struggled with just like, do I want to do a section on Andrew yeah. Bird? Because I, uh, pound for pound, I've probably listened to his music more than anybody else's music in my life. Um, and if you want a good primer for like what he does, he actually did a TED talk called Andrew Bird's One Man oh, Orchestra of the Imagination. That. It's 20 minutes long and he just like plays a bunch of songs. That's and perfect. His act is just him. And he gets up on stage and he has a couple violins, a couple guitars and a live looping pedal. He also has this weird, uh, gramophone that somebody built for him. That's like a dual. It has like two of the like horn amplifiers on it that, uh, he has a pedal for that he will activate and then all of the sound will just start coming through that gramophone while it spins around, mm -hmm. which kind of like throws the music all around the room. It's very, very trippy. Um, but yeah, Andrew Bird just plucks and plays uh, typically just a violin and then he will add on some guitar uh, to to create these super rich melodies from nothing. Uh, the, you, the song starts and there's nothing. And then like 30 seconds in, it's this beautiful piece that has been born in front of you. Uh, and he will typically add, uh, he's a champion whistler. He, if you saw the Muppet movie, uh, at the end of the talent show, when, uh, uh, the, oh, the Muppet does the, the whistling number, that was Andrew Bird. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, it's funny. He's talked about in interviews, like he is this Suzuki trained, um, a violinist who's like, you know, the violence, an incredibly demanding instrument to learn. And he has spent tens of thousands of hours mastering it. But the only thing that people want to talk to him about is how good he is at whistling. He's a very fucking good whistler. Uh, yeah. And so he'll add whistling and vocaling, uh, vocaling. That's what people call it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he has entire albums that are live performances. And almost every track is just a live looping performance. Uh, he had a series of albums that were the first ones of his that I discovered called Fingerlings. And I want to play a track off Fingerlings 3, uh, a song called Dark Matter. That's actually showed up on various albums, both as Dark Matter, but he also repurposes his like melodies for other songs throughout the rest of his career, which is sort of a, a strange thing. But this is the live looping performance of Dark Matter. I'm just going to play like, the first 30 seconds so you can hear how quickly it goes from like nothing to like, oh shit, this song is amazing. So yeah, the, the the way that it just like starts with this very simple melody and then harmony on top of harmony on top of harmony is added to it, building this song before it really begins. And then throughout the song, he will drop that loop out and start a new section of the song and then add that original loop onto the stuff that he just played on guitar or, or whatever, for example. Um, I just the amount of timing and manual dexterity and foot dexterity required to make this sound as good as it sounds. Because if you miss a, a beat, then the rest of the song is going to be thrown off forever. Yeah, to do that live. To do that live and be perfect about it, every single measure is it's 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 really remarkable. Uh, not to mention like the actual like composition, like actually writing a song that can be performed like this is is a, a, a feat as well. 
Um, so yeah, that is Andrew Bird. He also has a series of albums that he's working on now called Echo Locations, where he just goes to a place that is acoustically interesting and then plays a bunch of live looping music there. He has one called Canyons, where he just gets in a fucking canyon and plays some music. <laughs> and he just put one out called River, where he went to a river, oh my gosh. played some music, and you get the, the river sounds in the background. It's like really good music to work to. But I, I've seen Andrew Bird perform live in concert like four or five times. And it's staggering, like yeah. watching this watching this like beautiful song go from not existing to being like this this very very uh powerful powerful tune that you know just got baked up right in front of you is is really well, really it taps into amazing. something that you almost never get to experience which is you are there as the artist is creating the music yeah uh which is something you don't usually get to experience when you see a performer and it kind of taps into that excitement of just like I am here when this is happening. Mm-hmm. And it's nobody else incredible. is going to, no one's going to hear yeah. this version of this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. great. Uh, so yeah, that's live looping music. Andrew Bird, I, I cannot recommend his work highly enough. I, I think he's a genius. How about your second thing? Uh, this one I was actually worried you were going to bring up. Oh. Uh, I guess worried's the wrong word, but we keep waiting for that, that uncanny moment. I thought where... it was going to happen last week for the Halloween episode. Yeah. But... Uh, Farmer's Markets. Oh, Farmer's Market. Griffin digs on this super hard, which is exciting to me because I also love them. But I also feel like it's there's it's kind of like, I don't I know, know, no, a I little know exactly bit. what you mean. I mean, I on, on, when you go, you feel like you're in this um, performance piece almost. A little bit. But like, I, I think <laughs> if you divorce the actual like thing from that stigma i guess it's really just a bunch of folks making some stuff and trying to sell it and that's cool that's great yeah so that so researching the history i think was was valuable because yeah right now it feels like especially now that we have a baby it feels like a baby parade where everybody's got their dog and their baby and they're all wearing their best sweater and you just feel like oh my gosh i'm in a starbucks commercial yeah but uh the farmer's market uh, dates back to 1730. I mean, it used, this used to just be called the, the store, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I read a website that was very, uh, insistent that it began in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which, you know, I guess is possible. Pennsylvania is one of those early states. But how do you track this? Just the idea know. of a bunch of people come and be like, I got carrots I made. Who wants carrots? That's like how <laughs> like society has functioned since like I know. the dark ages yeah, or what made the prehistoric times. The first farmer's market. I got I a dinosaur know. bone. I have dinosaur meat. <laughs> I know. Please don't tweet yeah, at please me. Don't. Oh, please, God, it was a joke. Please. I know. I know. <laughs> Delete it. I get it. I know. Uh, today, there are over 8,000 markets operating throughout the United States. Uh, here's a cool fact. USDA offers a national farmer's market directory. So you can go to uh, the website, enter your zip code, and it will tell you all the nearby farmer's markets. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, in the first decades of the 1800s, most cities with at least 30,000 people sponsored municipal markets. Um, for every, and this is from the Farmers Market Coalition, which is a national organization. For every hundred dollars spent at a farmers market, ninety nine dollars stays in state, and sixty two dollars stays in the local economy, which is cool. Yeah, that's good. I, I mean, all of those reasons like totally track. 
if I'm being honest, they are not the reasons why I go to no. the farmer's market. I go to the farmer's market because there's there's this place that sells this juice that's fucking so good. Yes. I'm not a big juice person, but damn, this juice is good. Yeah, we get juice. We get bread. There's something really tamales, nice. Tamales. There's a tamale stand. About handing cash to a person that you know made the thing that you're about to consume. But more importantly, I get the juice. <laughs> like I the juice. The support local business. All that's good. I And I mean that. Great. I want that juice though. And if this is where I get that juice, awesome. It's, it's good on two levels. Support yeah, local business vendors, and good juice. You'll see. So the thing that might be kind of deterring about a farmer's market, a lot of times you'll see vendors that you can just get in the grocery store. Uh, and so you're thinking like, this isn't exciting, but there are also vendors there that this is the only place they sell. Right. Uh, and so you're getting a unique opportunity to get something. Uh, that's really keeping them alive week to week and you can't find anywhere else. Shout out to SoCo Ginger Beer. I love ginger beer so much and it's actually kind of tough to find good ginger beer out there that doesn't cost like $16 for four tiny cans. They sell that in stores though. <laughs> oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, well, never mind. But it's cool to get it from a tap and, and a live person. Yeah, it's nice to like, also there's, if you like Sampolinis, if you like little samples, yes. oh my God, it's everybody, sample heaven. Yeah, everybody samples out there. And you'll see some, at least in Austin, you'll see some live music. Uh, sometimes there's there's petting zoos. Uh, one, day, one week we went, there was people doing yoga just, yep. just, just right next to it. I, I, I like this for a lot of reasons. Uh, you are still not doing dairy because Henry has a, a cow's milk protein allergy. And so it's actually like kind of cool because there's a lot of options there that for for stuff that folks have that yeah, you can there was actually a chocolate guy who was just like i make this chocolate and i can tell you that these bars don't have dairy and it was just you never get that interaction anymore yeah um but also like the quality of the stuff is good like we get our yeah. pro- we'll do a little meal prep while we're there and the protein that we get there is like yeah, really really freaking like, good to get like chicken or pork this is gonna or- sound like really weird and like i'm Again, like trying to sound like kind of zhuzhi, but like you got some ground beef there that you made chili with. That was the best ground beef I ever ate. <laughs> it was melt in your mouth ground beef, which I did not know could be a thing. Well, and people hand you a business card and say, hey, you want something? Let me know and I'll bring it for you next week. Yeah, I dig that. It's like, also... Yeah, th- there's- Griffin and I have been city living for a while now, so this may not be as novel to those of you that live in more rural areas, but it's really nice for us to have that kind of connection uh, in a in an urban area. Yeah, you get to talk, and you also get to talk to people about the things that they're passionate about. Yeah, the thing that they're and 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 while it's easy to put a crass face on that, like oh, they're just trying to sell you a thing. Like I like talking to you know a, a person about their chocolate business and why they're so passionate about their chocolate in a way where it doesn't feel like they're trying to sell me anything because I could just eat their chocolate samples and walk away, and they know that they probably expect that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's, 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 it's really neat. It is also, I will say, there's not a lot of stuff you can do outside of the house with like a baby who can't walk yet. And so farmer's market is really very, it's our place is in like a really nice park. And so we get to walk around and go and eat some tamales and drink that good juice. Like when we're trying to think of activities, it's just going to like, you know, a target (laughs) Uh, or, you know, a grocery store and just walking up and down the aisles. And it's not a particularly enriching experience for anyone. Whereas this feels like this feels really nice. I love the farmer's market. Yes. There's a place that sells Thai food, but just like pre-portioned ingredients, kind of like boxed meal style. And you bring it home and you make the Thai food yourself. Farmer's market. Let's go today, babe. We can't. Why not? It's only on Sundays. What the fuck? Farmer's market. 
It's let us have real conversations about meal planning too, which is something Griffin and I always talked about abstractly. Like, oh, we should really plan what we're going to eat for the week. But when you're at a farmer's market, you kind of have to do you that. You kind of have to. Which is Because nice. they're not going to be open on Mondays, apparently. <laughs> farmer's market. Uh, how about some submissions from our listeners? Yes. Okay, this first one. Just st- steal yourself, okay? Okay. This is from Eric, who said, I wanted to tell you something that I find to be wonderful. The fact that a Quantum Leap feature film is currently entering development. No. So where this comes they from. They have said that for years. Okay, but there was very recently a panel featuring <laughs> Donald Belisario. Okay. Where he said that he has written a feature script. That doesn't for mean Quantum it's going to happen, though. Just saying. What is going to happen? How do they continue that experience? Because I don't think dude. You know, I saw home. on Twitter Scott Bakula tweeted Trying to get that heat going. That he was going to a con. This uh, was that, I think. I wonder if that's what this I was. Think that's what this is. That would be incredible. You know, I have thought about bringing an episode of Quantum Leap to this show so many times. Which but one? How do you though? pick yeah. just one? I mean, the JFK episodes were pretty buck wild okay anyway here's another one from caroline who says going to the renaissance fair with friends has become one of my favorite fall traditions there is so much talent showcased whether it's the actors and actresses that make up the cast of characters the musicians and comedians that put on amazing shows or the artists who showcase and sell their creations not to mention there isn't anything quite like sitting on a hill under the changing leaves and setting sun drinking cider and watching a joust it's nerdy but it's wonderful I've never been to a Ren Faire. I cannot believe you've never been to one. I haven't either, but it seems like for sure the McElroys would have gotten up on one. Oh, the McElroys have. I'm almost just certain. Just not you? Just not, I, I have not. And it's not any, I don't have any hangups about it. I just haven't, yeah. I haven't gone. Austin has like a huge one. Uh-huh. And I was just, well, let's go. I always thought the appeal was the costume and the turkey leg. Yeah, but I think it's also like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of performance going on. And yeah. there's a lot of artists and stuff that like that. That would be fun when Henry's a little older too. Yeah. Or when I'm now and maybe, <laughs> maybe Henry doesn't go on that one. Cause you know, jousting is dangerous. The little sticks, they run into the armor and they explode and there's wood splinters everywhere. Mm. Just like in the Knight's Tale. <laughs> Here's one last one from Maddie who says, I live in a tiny town in northern Ontario, Canada. One perk to living up north is waking up early on a school day to a temperature of negative 45 degrees Celsius and knowing that school is going to be canceled for the day. It's a well-needed break in winter when you can simply snuggle back into your warm bed and sleep in. I thought this was too early to be talking about snow days, but northern Ontario, Canada. Talk about power of positive thinking. Most people would say, this is terrible. And this person said, you know what? Well, I will say it to snuggle in. If it's negative 45 degrees Celsius in your city, it's probably terrible for a lot of people. (laughs) But the idea of like, oh, it's snowy. and The uh, the snow day. Well, let's save snow day because I could definitely do a whole episode about a snow day. Yeah, I would be curious actually what yours were like. Uh, so fucking dope, dude. The best fucking shit. Because <laughs> you lived right close to a park. Live right next to a park. Which would be so my, I had options because I could go sledding. I was trapped. I could st- I could go sledding, or I could just chill inside and drink hot cocoa and finish Chrono Trigger. So uh, <laughs> that is it for the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song "Money Won't Pay." Uh, link to that is in the episode description. Uh, what else, babe? Uh, I wanted to thank Max Fun for hosting us. Uh, you can find a lot of other great shows on the network, shows like One Bad Mother and Stop Podcasting Yourself and Jordan Jesse Go and uh, any number of McElroy shows, which you can also find on McElroyShows.com. Yeah, and if you live in Chicago or Milwaukee and want to come see us uh, in November, go to McElroyShows.com slash tours because we got some tickets available for you. Uh, I think that's it. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. What, did you have something? No, I just keep forgetting we don't have a sign-off. Yeah, I know, but it feels more natural that way. If we do a sign-off, it's like we're, you know... Yeah. You know, we're...
uh, you know, like big time radio show folks. Yeah. Or, you know, Tosh.0 or something, or, you know, at the end of every Tosh.0, he pulls on his ear and he winks. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and he flies away on his umbrella. You know, have you seen it? Yeah, no, I definitely. Funny have. stuff, man. I definitely have. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hey there, folks. I am writer and performer Dave Holmes, and I host International Waters, where we pair a team of comedians in L.A. against a team of comedians in London in a pop culture trivia battle royale. Comedians like Josie Long. I worry that it makes me seem like I'm 80 years old, but I hurt my knee, and it is just on the mend, and I can't tell you how delightful that feels. (laughs) If I want to walk down some stairs, I just go for it now. (laughs) (laughs) Michaela Watkins. We have a country where, like, our leaders actually deny global warming. (laughs) So we are going to have more beachfront property than any other nation. I mean, it's going to shrink our country in half, but it's okay. But that's just more beach. And many more. Join us every other week on International Waters with me, Dave Holmes. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts.